0: in the 20 plus years of helping people plan for the cost of retirement and long-term health care we've identified one consistent theme among families and caregivers people don't like to talk about money life care affordability planning helps families who are facing long-term health issues and increasing health related expenditures to make better informed financial decisions during a time when there are so many unanswered questions. It's time to face this topic head on, address the emotional charge of discussing money and discover practical ways to bridge the gap between a long-term health care plan and your ability to pay for it.
1: Hello and welcome to Life Care Affordability Planning with Tom West and Arvett Reed from Signature Estate and Investment Advisors. Our guest today is John Norse, and he is the founder of Medicare Portal and a 29-year veteran of the insurance industry. He and his team specialize in assisting seniors with making informed and educated decisions regarding their Medicare benefits. And that seems to fit with this show exactly because we're all about seniors making educated and informed decisions. Tom and our vet, how are (laughs) you? Doing well. (laughs) I'm doing great, Eric. How are you? I'm fantastic. And you brought John to the show. Good morning, John. How are you? I'm doing great. You ready for this? I sure am. All right. Fantastic. How did you guys find John? First of all, let's ask that question.
2: Yeah, I went to an event here locally in Northern Virginia and heard John speak. And it was just like, wow, this the amount of information that him and his team have and are able to provide to our clients and just to people in general was like, I was like, what? Where have you been? Nice. So fortunately, I came back to the office, like, Tom, I found this guy. We looked on the Medicare portal.
3: I remember that too. I think that one of the things that I was sort of struck by when looking at the resource of the Medicare portal was how little financial services professionals really understand all of the ins and outs mm-hmm. of Medicare. And you know, this is coming from me and my experience and the team's experience. Not 20- even the
2: financial people, it's just sh- well,
3: people. I, I know. And, and So one of the things that, that it struck me was is like we needed to develop for our practice. You know, a better resource, both in a person, in John, and in a resource uh, online like Medicare Portal. Um, you know, one of the things that I figured I'd, I'd start with is is John, let's let's talk about what you would hope most financial professionals know, which is sort of the basics of Medicare. So, just to get us going. Talk a little bit about Medicare and how it's set up. And then for our listeners, we should be able to go into a whole lot more detail about surprises and things that we really need to know about the nooks and crannies. But let's start, John, with a softball. Tell us a little bit about Medicare and all the letters and how the darn thing's set up to begin with. So Medicare was
4: started or created in 1966. There were two parts of Medicare, or original Medicare A and B. Most people know those terms because they've Mm -hmm. been around, obviously, for 53 years. A is simply your hospitalization. Anytime you go into a facility, we like to say it, hospital, skilled nursing facility, um, wherever you're going to receive care in a building, we like to typically say is part A. And under part A, you'll get hospice and palliative care, mm-hmm. as well as uh, some home healthcare benefits will be covered under A. Mm-hmm. Part B is going to be everything else. I say the things that we commonly use is under part B, doctor's offices, diagnostic labs, ambulance, PT, OT, ST, outpatient surgery, that's all going to be covered under Part B. The interesting thing for note—we're a financial show, Part A, if you've worked 40 quarters or 10 years, similar to Social Security, you will get Part A, what we call premium free. Mm -hmm. Part B, unless you're a Medicaid recipient in a certain situation, you're going to pay something for your Part B. Mm -hmm. So it's just important to understand the financial workings as well. Uh, After that, you have just two other letters. Uh, I'll skip to D. D is the drug plan. It's created in 2006. Obviously, there was a need in the market with the cost of the drugs escalating to right. cover it. Mm-hmm. So the government came out and developed the Part D plan.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: And then Medicare Advantage is an alternative letter C, is in Charlie, to original Medicare, the A and B. That is, it's basically Medicare run by private health insurance companies. So major names that you would probably know operate a program that you enroll in, mm-hmm. and they'll manage your benefits. And included in those plans typically would be that Part D. And then lastly, the Medicare supplement or Medigap, which isn't technically part of Medicare because it's secondary insurance. Mm -hmm. Someone who has original Medicare A and B would then enroll in a Medigap plan and then buy or enroll in a Part D plan and give them the full benefit. So that gives you a landscape of what Medicare is from a high level.
3: I think one of the things, whenever I look at the the guide to Medicare or health insurance for people with Medicare, which is something that's put out um, by by uh, CMS is how easy it is to get lost in all of the tables mm-hmm. and all of the minutiae. So so one of the things that we thought for this particular show is is I was going to give John you sort of the discretion of thinking about instead of the the particulars and the granularity, like give us one of the more recent stories that you've had like in the last week or something that's top of mind about, you know, a senior that is going through some type of different transitions and is challenged just with the whole interface with this Medicare system. Yep, sure.
4: So, you know, the one thing I find is that our clients come from all different walks of life. And mm-hmm. what I mean, whether you're highly educated, uh, you're, 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 a, whatever you walk of life you come from, it's a confusing system. Mm-hmm. And the resources, while it's government written, doesn't necessarily appeal to everybody because it's going to be very boilerplate. Right. No emotions behind it, no real compassion. It's just going to be written because this is chapter and verse. Right. So what we what we see like a typical story is, um, I had a client referred to me, 67-year-old male, 66-year-old female. They were on COBRA. Mm. Now, if you don't know about Medicare, COBRA is not considered creditable meaning giving you credit for part B as in boy. Mm -hmm. So if you stay on COBRA after 65, you face a situation where you're not gonna have the ability to have a primary insurance, which Mm. is part B. So this person went eight months, you have an eight month special enrollment period after you lose your coverage. He had four days left to get part B for him and his wife. I was able to help them and navigate, get the applications in, for Part B, which then triggered their ability to enroll in a Medicare supplement and their prescription drug plan. While the COBRA was creditable for their Part D, we still needed to get off of COBRA, not to the Medicare. So that was a complicated system in a sense because of the COBRA, not everybody does that. But knowing that COBRA is not creditable after 65, that's a massive pitfall.
3: Right, mm-hmm. and, and I think just for normal listeners, I think just the, the acronym heavy language that is sort of necessary to parse some of medicare to communicate efficiently that by itself sometimes is impenetrable and I, and I, that's the right story because you know one of the things that you recognize with medicare is it, the 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 clock is always ticking right. with something or other there's an enrollment issue there's an eligibility for benefits issue and the and i think for listeners to recognize that the clock's always ticking for something So you always be knowing and needing to be aware of the space that you're in and what clock is ticking against what particular variable with Medicare is going to be important.
2: And that was one of my ah ahas when I heard John speak because after all the time I had spent in senior housing and healthcare, I was always focused on how people were using Medicare. I never knew about all the penalties on the front side when you signed up or did not sign up in time.
3: Right, right. So one of the things that I know that we wanted to make sure in the early minutes of our podcast um, is just a little bit of attention on Medicare versus Medicare Advantage. We had an opportunity to present to uh, a Kaiser audience Mm -hmm. uh, within the last handful of months for their uh, thriving and aging program uh, a long time ago. And I know that the preference for for more attention into Medicare Advantage, this is becoming more and more prevalent. Could you spend a little bit of time just introducing what Medicare Advantage really looks like? Sure. So Medicare Advantage
4: is a contract with the federal government and private insurance companies that allow them to manage your healthcare. So using Tom's reference to Kaiser, someone would have A and B because you have to have A and B to enroll in Medicare Advantage. Mm -hmm. By doing that, you're going to, in a sense release your medical care to Kaiser. So no longer would you be billed or any part of the government, A and B. That goes away because you are now enrolled in a Medicare Advantage plan. Now, there are advantages to Medicare Advantage. A lot of plans will give you leveraged benefits, dental, vision, hearing, which aren't basically covered under original Medicare, gym membership, some will give transportation. So it's a value add also by enrolling in Medicare Advantage. So it's traditionally, it's your insurance companies across the board. Yeah, large, the major insurance companies. Okay. United Healthcare, Aetna, Humana,
2: Blue Cross, Kaiser, yeah. Blue
4: Cross. Maybe some of the Blue Cross Blue Shield plans in different parts of the country. Absolutely. Medi- original Medicare is simply that your primary insurance is original Medicare. Mm-hmm. So your bills go to the government. Matter of fact, if you are a Medicare beneficiary, you can enroll in mymedicare.gov and see all your claims and ma- monitor all your mm-hmm. claims that go through the government there. Your supplement, which would be secondary, you don't see those on mymedicare.gov. But that's how you piece together your, quote, medical care for A and B. So you have more freedom of choice because any provider in the country that accepts Medicare, Mm -hmm. you have access to and they bill Medicare primary and your supplement secondary. Or under Medicare Advantage, co-pays and co-insurances are potential, all coordinated through the company that you signed up with.
2: Mm -hmm. And -hmm. I think the number one takeaway just from that little explanation is that it's extremely complicated and what are, you know, we want to give people the opportunity to understand that there are places to go to get information, including Medicare Portal where you are.
4: Sure. So our website, MedicarePortal.org, is an educational website. There's only information that explains Medicare. We feel like we've done a good job in helping you understand baseline the different parts of Medicare, like we're talking today, enrollment periods, just the important stuff that you need to know as a consumer to make the right decision. Education is power and that's what we try to
3: promote with our website. Right. So in in my review of Medicare Portal and and you know, you, I think that that website has earned a good plug for us on on this podcast. One of the things that I thought that we could talk about in the tail end of our discussion today is there's there's all sorts of surprises, there's all sorts of nooks and crannies in a lot of our seniors' sort of narratives as they're going through changes with housing and healthcare. And mm-hmm. what I really wanted to open up, at least the the second part of the podcast, is a discussion about where are some of the challenges, where are some of the hidden costs? And and, and this is going to be a good learning opportunity for our vet and I. Where do people get bit with this experience with Medicare as there's transitioning with chronic illness or things like that that they, they wouldn't see coming? Because that's ultimately going to be part of What our type of a practice needs to start budgeting in and planning for. Ultimately, we have to make sure that the finances understand what their roles and responsibilities are. So let's talk a little bit about that.
2: And I think historically, we've tried to, in the life care affordability planning process, to try to put like a bucket of like additional medical expenses in there. But I'm not sure we're actually um, have a good a good way of determining what that dollar amount should be, right? right? So these kind of examples from you will help open our eyes to things that we might need to think about down the road for our clients.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think the first one universally real quick is part D. Mm-hmm. Your prescription drug, whether you acquire it on a standalone basis or under a Medicare Advantage program is an extremely fluid market because every year there are changes to your plan, mm-hmm. whether they come from the federal level on in terms of deductibles and tier structures and things. Rather, relative or a formulary change within the plan that you're on. You have to stay in touch with that. And that gives you an opportunity over October 15th through December 7th of every year during your annual election period to review your program and make any needed changes for the next coming year in January. That's the number one sleeping giant that I can tell you that I think impacts every Medicare beneficiary if they mm-hmm. don't pay attention.
3: Right. And certainly the, the volume of clients that we serve with chronic illnesses right. that need to be perpetually medicated, Mm-hmm. We've certainly learned that 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 clients getting sort of unexpectedly jerked around with a new circumstance in terms of what's covered and do I have to change a prescription because it falls under a different category mm-hmm. right now. And we've certainly seen I, I I can remember a particular case where somebody has gone from hundreds of dollars to tens of thousands of dollars a month worth of prescription cost, which forced the hand of a change in prescription. Yeah. And I think that that the prevalence of that in the chronic illness space is so much uh, so unanticipated that it really bears uh, the need for this kind of attention. Mm-hmm. I couldn't agree with you more, and and we try to help in those
4: situations, obviously, the best we can. Another another area that's kind of simple is labs. You know, everyone goes for their annual physicals. You're going to get a bank of labs. That's what doctors or standard are standard going to do. It just makes sense to be a prudent advisor or prudent patient and ask them are these services or lab tests going to be covered under Medicare? Mm-hmm. And if they're not, why are we doing them?
3: Mm-hmm. Because
4: that's kind of a waste in the system. Right. We're all consumers.
3: But sure. That's sure. another sleeping giant to just, again, pay attention to. Um, all right. Just a real quick point on that. Let's talk a little bit about your experience in senior housing and healthcare and, and you know, where seniors that are going through the system, like how empowered do they sometimes feel to be able to say, Hey, you know, tell me about this lab. Do I really need it? Has that been your experience, or?
2: Yeah, I think both from a professional and personal experience that I have learned the importance of having an advocate with you as you get older. Because you know, if you think about it, when you're 65, you're handling your conversations, you're handling all your appointments and your medications, and as you get older and things get more complicated, you want to be able to do it on your own. But you also need to acknowledge and be realistic that's becoming a little bit more difficult. And so, having. And it's not just you, it actually
3: is getting more difficult. It is getting more
2: (laughs) difficult. There's more choices, there's more labs, there's all kinds of technologies getting all of it. So, having somebody with you at these appointments, whether it's your daughter, your son, your church friend, whether you end up hiring an aging life care professional because you don't have anybody to do that, sometimes it's better to have a third party to help you do these things and determine these things. Um, because historically people don't question doctors. The doctor says you need this medicine and this lab. Historically generations would say yes.
3: Right. And I think that it's also appropriate to appreciate the pressures that the physicians themselves are under. Right. You know, I mean the, the way that they're getting paid and the pressures on them in terms of the time and the attention that they can spend on non emergency situations Mm -hmm. that, that it, 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 it unfortunately is an appropriate responsibility for the patients right. to be double checking and to be monitoring along the way. The only thing I would add to your, your appropriate point about having an advocate with you is whoever the advocate that goes to these medical appointments, make sure it's somebody that you would listen to. Mm-hmm. You know, I, 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 can, I can imagine some spouse or some parent kid relationships which is the last person i'm going to listen to is the person that's with me mm-hmm. in the doctor's appointment. Yeah. So make sure that they're folks that can hold people accountable that do a good job of of sort of tracking all of the different recommendations and diagnoses and prescriptions.
2: Yeah and John another example i want to bring up which i know you're well aware of is this whole hospitalization observation versus admitting. And so all my years in senior housing and healthcare i actually worked in a nursing home and had to have that conversation over and over again with families. And we just had a client that I talked to where well, we this did, week. that we did the life care affordability plan for. Um, and the daughter called just to check in and say hi and was telling me about her experience where her mom was in the hospital, went to rehab. Everybody thought she had the three days. And then it turned out she didn't have the three-day requirement right because of observation period. And thankfully we had coached them into having this bucket of money because mom and dad had these ongoing health problems. And so she was very thankful to us for that because mom ended up paying out of pocket for about two weeks.
3: So back to John, like, could you explain to the listeners again, what are we talking about with this admitted versus observed days? Why is this important? Because we, we see the effects of it, but let's orient our listeners to what we're talking about. Yep. So observation is simply a short-term outpatient service
4: And I say outpatient, although you're in the hospital, it's deemed outpatient at that point because they're not sure what direction you're going to take. Mm -hmm. And it's received when you're in the hospital for monitoring purposes and to determine if admission is the best action for care. Under observation, you're not formally or informally admitted. Even if you are in a room, this is where it gets confusing and receiving care. So That's true
2: because it's not... People say, oh, observation in the ER... Now I'm admitted when I'm in a room, but that's not always the case. Right. That, just so,
3: doesn't better, that just doesn't make sense.
4: Like, <laughs> and, like and, and that's the point, Tom, is that I, I just gave you my definition of it, so right. to say. The problem with it is, as you just read the words I gave, which is basically mirroring the definition, it's gray. Right. There's mm-hmm. no black and white in what I just said. There's not like if you have these conditions or a chronic condition or right. something that's long-term instantly notified that you know, they feel like this is chronic. Right. Right. You get diagnosed with dementia. Right. we know that's not going away. Does that preclude you or does that include you in saying you're covered under three days and now the other care will be maybe paid? Right. It's a <laughs> great, but knowing to ask the question up right. front by admitting my mom or dad or me, yep. whoever that person, am I going to understand upfront what financial obli- obligations I'm going to have or what alternative cares might be available to me that I may be able to get the same medical care in a more affordable place or just a place that's right for you. I right. mean, at the end of the day, it's not cost. It's where do you get the right care?
2: That is a great point because at that moment, she needed to be in the hospital and her daughter felt that that's where mom wanted to be and that's where she should be. And having that cushion of being able to pay for you know some of the out-of-pocket costs gave her peace of mind that the next time there was an emergency, it was okay to send mom to the hospital because they had planned for it.
3: Yeah. And this is going to be... We've reviewed this in previous podcasts, Mm -hmm. but let's, let's go back to how people make decisions in an urgent, in an emergency, in a scary situation where somebody... I don't know how long somebody might live. I don't know what kind of care they need. And the default decisions for families that want to take care of somebody you love is what's going to take care of them the best. And the best... Is a shade of gray. Depends on what you're talking about. It isn't. What is the most cost efficient way to take care of my loved one? I've heard zero people coming out of an emergency room say, "What is the most cost efficient way to take?" It? Like, no. What's taking care of are the best? You try to uh, understand what your medical professional is telling you, but but ultimately, you're going to always default. your perception of of your available choices that you understand and are in your line of sight, you're going to orient towards the things that you think are going to be taking care of somebody the best. And that isn't necessarily observed, admitted. It isn't necessarily getting the most clinically appropriate. It's it's a biggest challenge for making decisions right there. And let me jump in here. You see some changes in Medicare, for example,
4: telemed. Mm -hmm. They're trying to bring more telemed. The reason I use that as a simple example is because a lot of people are trained, I'm sick, I go to the hospital. Right. Or, or in society, we're sick, we go to the emergency room. Training you to understand that that might not be the first line of attack mm-hmm. for that problem because it might not be the right place, one, for care, mm-hmm. and two, for cost. So for example, you don't go in the hospital for rehab. Right. Like, so if someone's like, I need to just get better, the hospital's not the right place. That's a skilled nursing, that's a rehabilitation, even at home. Mm-hmm. There's more and more, prece- or more and more services available at home today than ever before technology, some of you just talked about, technologies allowing for you to recover at home a lot of times. So understanding that and making that decision up front is
3: important. Mm-hmm. Right. And and what we'll do just as we're, we're closing up some of our conversation this morning for, for some final thoughts, one of the things that that I thought to prompt the two of you on is, remember a lot of these families that were counseling with life care affordability planning, they, they fall into two categories. They're planning ahead for possible changes in the future. And I think that a lot of what we've learned today is really needing to be literate and know where your available resources are Mm -hmm. ahead of time, like like Medicare portal. Um, But also for folks that are reacting, what do I have to do in the moment? Sometimes just from a bandwidth standpoint, it's difficult to be processing more and more information, particularly something as difficult as Medicare. So... Knowing where your resources are, whether it's a resource like John, it's a resource like us, who do you turn to to be able to make sense out of this complexity in a moment of vulnerability? That's something that's particularly important.
2: And I think your comment earlier, John, about you have the ability to change as your needs change. I don't think I ever really thought of it that way. right? Um, So I think it's important what you think you need or what you sign up for at the age of 65, 66, 67 is different than what you might need at 84, 85, 86, right? Um, Yeah, it's
3: not a set it and forget it.
2: Yeah, it's definitely not a set it and forget it. And people just think that. Medicare from the government, okay, done, check. You have to analyze it just like everything else.
3: Sure, I think that's right. John, any wrap-up thoughts for our discussion this morning?
4: Uh, First of all, thanks again for having me. Uh, second thing I would just say, be an educated consumer, just, mm-hmm. just like you guys do financial literacy in a sense and educate people on the importance of savings and having a plan to get to your goals. Uh-huh. It sounds corny or crazy, but you should do the same thing with Medicare, not just from the financial cost perspective like you're talking about, but I always try to recommend to people, get your care how you've always gotten your care so you're comfortable in the transition. You know, contact your providers prior to going on Medicare and find out, do you accept original Medicare? Do you participate with Medicare Advantage plans? You know, could contact someone like myself or or just go to Medicare.gov and put your prescriptions in and find out how they match up with the formularies of the various companies and where you can keep your costs down. Last thing I'll say that's most important, and it kind of goes back to the first point, know your initial enrollment period, the seven months that around your 65th birthday. While you may work past it, there's still things you want to do at that point, potentially on your situation. If you work past 65, know your special election period, your SEP. Know that when it starts and it's an eight month window after it, and know that there are certain things you have to do within that. And most important, again, or lastly, is the AEP, which I alerted to earlier, October 15th to December 7th. Every year, no matter what day of the month they fall on, that is your window to make any changes to your Medicare benefits.
2: It's almost like tax planning time, Yeah. We saw our clients like that's when you plan for tax planning.
3: I think that's right.
2: You Uh, need to plan for your you know, reevaluate your Medicare.
3: Sure. And I think my my wrap up thoughts, I think that we need to start treating as a society that Medicare, just like John talked about, we need to know how to adapt and that we can adapt those kind of coverages based on where you are right now. Mm-hmm. And it's the same as your investments and your cash flow and your tax planning just because that might have been the best fit for you 5 years from you know ago that's not where you're at mm-hmm. now.
0: Mm-hmm. And
3: having the conviction and the responsibility of knowing that maybe the way that I'm organizing my finances or my insurances, you know, the job of the finances and the insurances might change. Mm-hmm. And consumers need to be a little bit more aware that they can drive better outcomes with this kind of awareness. Mm -hmm. So with that, Eric, I'm going to turn this back to you right after. I thank John once again for being able to join us as a a guest. This is a particularly important topic. So I appreciate you very much coming out. Thanks, John. Thank you
1: very much for having me. Eric? Hey, guys, this is great. Thank you so much for bringing John on. I mean, this is great information. Um, If people have questions, what's the best way to reach out? For me, yeah, there's
4: a couple ways. You can call our office at 703-214-4600. You can contact us through our general mailbox, info at medicareportal.org, or direct personally to me at john at medicareportal.org. Those are the best ways to get me.
1: Fantastic. John, thanks again for being here. Thank you very much. You bet. And thank you all for joining us today on the Life Care Affordability Planning Podcast with Tom and our vet. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Tom and our vet come out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. And again, this is a great one to share because I'm pretty sure everybody knows somebody who's going to have to be going through this in the next five to 10 years. And, And it does take planning. You can't do it last minute. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at Life Care Affordability Planning, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time.
0: Views and opinions provided herein are those of the individual speakers. All content is informational only and is not intended to be an endorsement or recommendation of any particular investment strategy or other course of action. Consult your tax, legal, and financial professions concerning your specific situation securities offered through Royal Alliance Associates Incorporated member FINRA SIPC advisory services offered through SEIA LLC Royal Alliance Associates Incorporated is separately owned and other entities and or marketing names products or services referenced here are independent of Royal Alliance Associates Inc. Life Care Affordability Plan is a marketing name for SEIA. Services related to evaluating the client's health care treatment plan are independent of and not endorsed by Royal Alliance Associates, Inc.